Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. from the auction community studios on this Tuesday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke show. Wolf, we got playoff baseball starting right now as we speak, so we're going to have that kind of on in the background all day. Man, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yes! Playoff baseball, October baseball. It is here and rolling. Got uh, NHL hockey starting tonight, too. This is why October is the greatest sports month. We got the Suns wrapping up preseason tomorrow, starting next week, and of course we have ASU at the Cardinals. Yeah, you know, we're going to talk to Bear today. We are. In fact, are we not? If you are a hockey fan out there, we're going to talk to Coyotes head coach Andre Tourney at 1.30 today. So right towards the end of the show. They start their season actually on Thursday in Pittsburgh. But yeah, the NHL season starting with a couple matchups tonight. But Wolf, we are going to start with the Arizona Cardinals today. And this has kind of been the pattern. You get to Monday, everybody's nationally Everybody's just kind of looking around, okay, what happened around the league, getting ready for Monday Night Football, kind of a wild game last night, as you would expect in the AFC West. Tuesday is when, if the Cardinals messed up, the national media seems to really start to jump on it, and this is no exception with the end of uh, game mismanagement the Cardinals had on Sunday that at least cost them a shot at overtime, if nothing else. Here's Dan Orlovsky yesterday. Second and five, and they call a short little completion to Hollywood Brown. He catches it with 47 seconds left. They clock it just about in field goal range with 37. If it's going to take you 10 seconds to spike the ball, call a daggone play. Then on second and 10, you call quarterback draw. You call quarterback draw knowing, hey, what's the call if we get eight yards? Like, why are we going, oh, I don't know. And then there's 22 seconds on the clock. Listen, if there's 22 seconds on the clock and it's third and one, just call a pass play. What did I say? You know, just call a pass (laughs) because if it's complete key. You know what it was called? Get me five. And if it's complete, Give me five we, right can now. Run, we can run up, clock the ball. Yeah, it's irrational, it's it, irrational it's, not to. It's yeah. unprepared. Yeah. It's unprepared. Uh, wow. Well, man, I mean, that is a former NFL quarterback listen, saying that. Yeah, no, that is right there. But saying it's unprepared, I, I just disagree to a standpoint where there was a simple human thing that happened here. Kyler Murray thought he had a first down, and Cliff Kingsbury thought he had a first down as well. Now, once again, you could sit here and say what they did. They screwed up. Kyler Murray screwed up. I said as much yesterday talking about that. Cliff Kingsbury as well. You can't make that mistake. No, That's I mean, what I said or yesterday. you will lose. You, you can't. <laughs> it's, it's exactly that simple. right. You, well, it, it, you know, it's not like you're going to lose. You still got to be able to make a 43-yard field goal. You, you, you have to know whether or not you converted the first down. You have to know that. Cliff has to know that. Kyler has to know that. So but can you see the way that it happened? Isn't yes, that totally. Part, isn't that, sec- that that part of you need to know if you got the first down? And I know I know it's it's a, <laughs> it's a very volatile time right now with Cardinals fans and Kyler Murray, but isn't that part kind of on the sidelines? Like, ideally, Kyler would just know if he got the first or not, but it was close. And if you're sitting there asking the ref, and, you know, there's the people have said that was up on the scoreboard first down. So yes. if he looked up there, he's like, oh, I got the first down. I think a lot of us in real time thought, okay, it's close. He probably got the first down, especially the way he reacted. Doesn't somebody on the sidelines need to be like, well, hold on, hold on. You didn't get the first down. 
Yeah, well, the, the problem is, of course, you got a guy that's over the ball trying to clock it as quickly as he possibly can. Yeah. That was the problem. It was just human error. It was human error. I'm sitting here listening. You know, you didn't have a plan for it. You, you ran a quarterback draw. You thought you had the first down. He thought he had the first down, period. That's why he clocked it. So any other conversation that you're having after that, it was human error. He thought he had the first down. It wasn't, it wasn't a plan that wasn't in place. It was thinking you had a first down and you clocked it. I, I don't understand. Well, it's human error, is what it is. Yeah, I, I think that you've got to own that. I think there is a, a sense of trying, and again, it's it's different when it's a national perspective because you're not emotionally invested. It's more just like, okay, let's pick on the Cardinals, and the Cardinals are giving them plenty of reasons to do that. Oh no, man! But but I I think, and I don't know if this was Dan Orlovsky's stance or not, but for me. This week, if I'm the Cardinals, I'm looking at that and saying, okay, it was human error. But sometimes human error is going to happen. And if we're not going to score in the first quarter, we have no margin for it. So what can we do to be prepared? Yeah. The one thing he said in there was, if you're going to run it on second down, do you have a play ready for a third down? Now, I hear what you're saying. He thought it was a first, so he's going to spike it anyway. But the way that ultimately played out was spike on first down. Run where they can't stop him on second down, spike on third down. Not what you were going for there, obviously. Now, again, if he gets the first down like he thought, then he's spiking it on first down for the next yeah. set of downs. Listen, I, I, I'm sorry. I think fans would be stunned. I think fans would be absolutely shocked how many times there's a mental error on every play. I, I think fans would be absolutely stunned at how often that happens. Somebody on the field doesn't know what he's doing. Somebody makes a mistake on the field. It's called human error, being a human being and not being a computer. He thought he had the first down. That's what he did. He, Like I said yesterday, you can't make that mistake. you got to be sure you got the first out. I was talking about it. He's got to go head first. Forget about, hey, listen, we're going to slide. You, you have to check. With the linesman, the first down, where's the signal? You have to check. You have to know. That was what was so disconcerting about it is typically Kyler Murray knows right where he is on the field and knows how to avoid a hit. And I know sometimes, and, and I get frustrated with it too, like he'll slide in the backfield and just take the sack. But his instinct typically is <laughs> self-preservation, and he typically gets the first down in that scenario. It's why where it's tough is you don't have the timeout. So if you're sitting there arguing with the official, hey, isn't that a first down? And he's like, no. Well, there goes five more seconds. So I don't really care what people think of how it happened on Sunday. I care about it never happening again. And I hear what you're saying. There's going to be some human error. You can't rule it out. But is there anything you can do this week to be like, if that happens again, we have a different... Because when we talked to Cliff yesterday, he kind of made it sound like we probably would have just kicked anyway. Even if we got a first down, maybe we get one more play. Yeah, right. Yeah, but... Once again, um, what would have been wrong with going ahead spiking it on first down in that situation? No, I mean, that's the what, right play. What, what would have been wrong with the, he thought he had a first down? That's the mistake that happened. That mistake cannot happen. Granted, I will give you that. But as a guy that's been out there on the field and made mistakes because I wasn't a computer, because I was a human being, I know what it's like. Did it happen at a very inopportune time? There is no doubt about it. But the entire premise of the spike was based on the fact he had a first down. That was it. 
We don't have time to play the Pat McAfee. Oh my clip now, gosh! And I haven't heard the Pat McAfee one yet. We're talking about second down and third. Just what? Oh man, Dan Orlovsky too. Well, yeah. I mean, Dan Orlovsky played quarterback in this league, so I'll, I'll take what he's saying about have a, a pass play ready for third down if it's that, or even first down. And maybe that's it. Maybe you can say no matter what, we're going to run a pass play if it's first or third. But I, I don't, I don't know that you can plan it out that much. But it also, I have to take it with a grain of salt from a guy who ran out the back of the end zone when he was playing quarterback in this league. I just, I have to because I can't imagine Wolf that that was in the playbook for Detroit I, when he I, did that. I'm just saying. I, I'm shocked just shocked in that situation and it makes me think of the nfl anade that's what it makes me think here's cliff kingsbury when he was on with us yesterday about spiking it on third yeah i think just situationally understand the situation if you got to go go ahead first and in, in that um situation to get it go ahead first um and then you know on the sideline when it's that close and you're yelling clock 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 and you think he's got it and also they walk it back you're kind of past the point of no return and uh we had to live with it at that point but um right. after discussing it you know if it was third down I'm not sure we would have done much different at that point if we would have known that you know maybe slow clocked it and and took in some more time if it was first down obviously you you have a chance to take a shot but a lot can happen on that third down and the clock runs out you get tackling bounds any of those things so it was right on the 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 border there the reality is your kicker should still be able to make that kick it's not like this was putting you in 65 yard field goal range you should have been in field goal range at that point even if you do have a mistake because you moved about 50 yards in about a minute and 20 seconds the other reality though and I'll repeat this from yesterday if you're not going to score in the first quarter ever, you put yourself in these positions where you can't make any mistakes ever. There were a lot bigger problems before that. Uh, All right, we come back over to basketball. Has the DA-Monty Williams relationship been resolved? According to both of them now, I guess it has. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Oh, we're close, Wolf. The NBA season for the Phoenix Suns begins a week from tomorrow. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I am I am so ready for some Suns basketball. Here we go. Wait, how about the Phillies? Already up on the Braves 2 nothing. We <laughs> like yeah, three batters in this game. What's what is happening? going on, man? Um, yeah, look, the uh, the Suns will take on Dallas next Wednesday at Footprint Center. Can they exact some revenge? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, you can maybe 10%. It, it will feel good if you are at that game or if you are watching if the Suns go out there and just handle Dallas. I can't decide, Wolf. Do I, do I want to see the Suns win by 27? Or do I want to see like a half a half court buzzer beater to beat Dallas, where Dallas yeah. thinks they've won the game and then it gets ripped away at the last? No, second? No, you know what I'd love. Um, let's see. Since we're getting greedy right now, no, I don't want to win by twenty seven. I want to win by one on a DeAndre Ayton slam dunk oh, wow. down low and one. I was trying to be realistic, so maybe they win by two. Okay, thank you. <laughs> he doesn't even have to hit the free throw. He's I like, mean, we don't need the game's Just over. Exactly. Here we yeah. go. Just why Send not go all the way? Uh, Dwayne Rankin, AZ Central, sat down with DeAndre Ayton, and we referenced this briefly yesterday. Kellen Olson, our own Kellen Olson, was tweeting about it as well. And basically, according to DA now, too, it's good. The relationship with Monty Williams is good. They are talking now, and we move forward. What happened? I, I, <laughs> what what happened? You guys are talking? This is great. This is awesome. What? What happened? 
I really think, Wolf, it's it's where we were kind of going um, last week with this of they're going to talk. I don't think anybody believed like they're going to we're not going to speak to each other all season. Hey, uh, Chris, can you tell D.A. to pass the ball to Devin Booker? Yes. And then uh, D.A.'s like, hey, Chris, can you tell coach that I passed the ball? Like, no, no, it's going to be ridiculous here. They were obviously going to talk this season. But the question to me was, is Monty going to sit down and say, hey, look, big man, I know I got to treat you a little bit differently. I'm sorry. Monty Williams, it certainly doesn't sound like he did that. And that to me is what we were talking about last week. That is Monty Williams in my mind saying, dude, you just got paid $133 million. You're a max player now. I'm not going to treat you differently than the other guys. I'm going to treat you the same way I treat Devin Booker and the same way I treat Chris Paul and Cam Johnson, all these other guys on this team. I'm not going to go to you and be like, hey, how are you feeling today? I'm sorry I didn't talk to you this offseason. It feels intentional. Yes, you cannot. It does feel intentional. It is intentional. That That's the one thing I think I can say with certitude. This was intentional the whole time. It had to be Luke. It had to be. It's Monty, Monty Williams. Williams. Yeah. Monty Williams is not going to go ahead and talk to DeAndre Ayton. And they're going to let DeAndre Ayton actually get in front of a microphone where Monty Williams hasn't really had a conversation with DeAndre Ayton. They're going to let him do that. Why? That just that, that part was still surprising. That me. blew my mind. The fact he did not have a conversation with DeAndre Ayton when he signed blows my mind. And we've been over this, and I understand that. But, man, um... Monty Williams was even saying, I don't I don't talk to all these guys. I don't always sit around and talk to these guys. I don't feel like I have to talk to DeAndre Ayton. Remember he was saying this last week. Multiple after. times referenced in different words how he's not treating DA any differently than his teammates. And at some point, at least for me, that kind of clicked of like, maybe that's the point. Maybe for the last four years, he's been treating D.A. differently than his teammates to try and get something out of him. Or, hey, you're our number one pick. Or, hey, I just know your personality. Some some nights you're going to bring the intensity. Some nights you're just a happy-go-lucky guy. If I'm Monty Williams, I, and I'm acting like this, to me, the thought process is, you just got your max deal. You are now getting treated like a big boy now. You just got your max deal, and oh, by the way, you got in front of the microphone, you got in front of the camera, and um, your bottom lip was metaphorically out. And maybe literally, to some degree, based on his answers during media day. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, media day, he was once, a mess. Once again, I, I still continue to why, why? Why did they do that? Why did they? Why did they let him get in front of a microphone, knowing that Monty and he had not had a conversation about last season and how it ended? And to me, there's only two options: either tough love, or they thought maybe Da wouldn't make as big of a deal of it as he did for two days. Maybe it was a test. Maybe it was a, hey, you know what? Let's just see what he does. And I know, you know, the the hardcore DA fans are going to be like, oh, he didn't make it a big deal. You guys are making it a big deal. No, no, he was despondent one day and then he brought it up and then go back and listen to his answers the second day. He jumped on questions like he was waiting for the questions. Yeah, the world is flat too, dude. (laughs) You think Kyrie's listening? No, I'm just saying. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> no, it you is... look at the way he was behaving. There, there was no doubt about it. He was, he was out of sorts over that. He was, and and I have to think Monty Williams 
probably knew that that would be the case. And let's get the tough love out of the way in early October as opposed to in early May <laughs> where it was happening last year, it felt like. This is Greg Anthony yesterday saying, yeah, you got to figure it out with DeAndre Ayton because he's actually the Suns' key to success this year. If the Phoenix Suns want to have any chance to get back to the finals and win that Western Conference, he is the key. Mm-hmm. He will be the catalyst because I think he's the guy. Look at all the young guys. He still has the highest ceiling. You know, this young man, every year he's gotten better. He's a really good screener. He understands how to play out of the pick and roll. He's also a guy that's willing to help. He's improved his mid-range game. He, like this is play. These are plays where oftentimes they don't always lead to a shot for you, but he understands it's going to create an opportunity to make my team better. And oh, by the way, he's also a guy that can play out of the post. Not a lot of guys that are traditional centers that have that ability. And I think that's something you're going to see the coaching staff really lean on more and more as as Chris Paul starts to get a little longer in the tooth. Uh, they're going to need another one of those young guns to take a step. And I don't think there's any doubt he is the most talented young player on their team, much maligned for whatever reason. But I do think that he's a guy that needs to grow the most in order for them to have a chance to compete in the West. The reason why he is maligned by a lot of Suns fans, and I do know that, yeah, this is a topic of debate, but I... I think a lot of Suns fans want to see him be a lot more physical and a lot more aggressive. That is it. That is all right there. DeAndre Ayton, I've been talking about this for a long time. You feel the same way, Luke. Um, I'm not trying to put words in your into your mouth yet. At the same time, DeAndre Ayton, if he was just more aggressive, more physical, and changed his mentality, different player, different team. This would be a completely different team if DeAndre Ayton was just more aggressive and more physical. Totally changing the dynamic of the team. I think even the Suns fans who defend D.A. no matter what would not mind it if he was a little more physical because it takes this team to a whole new level. And Greg Anthony, to a certain extent there, is right because when you look around the Western Conference, like I still see the Suns as a legitimate title contender. I looked at their over-under, it's 52 and a half games, which is which well under what they won last year. And I don't really care about the regular season anymore. Yeah. But that is, that is to me, the national audience saying, yeah, okay, they kind of had their window. They'll still be a good team, but they're going to start to drop off. Uh, I don't believe that. I think this team is, is absolutely one of the title contenders. But the thing is, in the Western Conference, it's not going to be not even like a moderately difficult path. It's going to be brutal. And so with that in mind, okay, yeah, we got a Devin Booker. Okay, well, Memphis has a John Morant. And, you know, New Orleans may have Zion and Brandon Ingram. And Golden State has Steph Curry. And the Clippers might actually have Kawhi Leonard. It sounds like he came out of retirement. So you've got all these teams. But if the Suns have Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, it does set them apart from a good chunk of that group. So are are you more confident going into this season as opposed to what you were last season? Think about that. I mean, we're going into last season. I was right where you are. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a title contending team. If if I don't know if DeAndre Ayton is going to change... I don't know how I call this a title contending team because that's exactly what I think they need is a force to be reckoned with inside when the whole world is going to the positionless player. 
now all of a sudden to have an aggressive dominant force inside a physical force a physical freak a specimen like da that's that would be a game changer right now i see a team that lost a lot of toughness and a lot of experience and basically got older with chris paul I would say I still see them as a title contender, but I was more confident going into last year. I was very confident going into last year uh, because, like you said, Chris Paul was a year younger. But also, it feels like their roster is a little incomplete right now, and and the conference they're in is much more difficult than it was a year ago, where it was like, okay, if they get through Golden State, they're probably going to get back to the NBA Finals. Now it's like, all right, if they get through Golden State and eight other teams, which I still think they can do, but I would say, to me, in that tier of true title contenders, they're still in it, but they're just lower in that tier now. Yeah, you know, Chris Paul, the injury thing in the postseason, it's unbelievable. Yeah. All right, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Speaking of injuries, the Cardinals are entering week six with questions at running back of all positions. How concerned should you be? We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Alright, maybe this is why you keep five running backs on the roster, Wolf. Here we are going into week six of the season, and all of a sudden the Cardinals, we don't know who they're going to have. Technically nobody's been ruled out yet. It's only Tuesday. But they finished the game uh, on Sunday without three of those five. And the fifth one wasn't suited up for the game, Keontae Ingram. So when the game ended against uh, Philadelphia on Sunday, it was just Eno Benjamin who, by the way, told the media yesterday he didn't realize it was just him. Just the way the game was flowing, I didn't really realize things until I started asking, like, where are certain people at when I didn't see them anymore? Um, and then that's when they were kind of telling me that uh, things were going down and I was the one and I had to keep pushing. <laughs> Did you just see Eno I, walking around being like, hey, where's, where's James? Oh, uh, where's, hey, where's Jonathan? Well, yeah. okay, well, what, what about Daryl? <laughs> no, they all left. so great. You know, because I could see that happening. And the reason why I say that, Basinonians, is because they've got all sorts of different names for certain personnel packages that they want to run onto the field. Maybe it's 11 Pony. Maybe 11 Pony. Maybe it's 11 Mustang. Whatever it may be. Some pony your it's, name on your podcast? It's a horse, basically, okay. right? So it's a, it's a horse. So we, we're going to have these 11 guys. But when we say Pony... Yeah. That means now all of a sudden it's going to be, you know, Benjamin. When we say horse, that's going to be James Conner. You, you get my point, yeah. right? So they'll they'll call it out. And I'm not saying that's what they do. But can't you just picture Eno on the sidelines being like, oh, that was a great play. Don't you think, Daryl? Daryl? Yeah, right. Darryl? No, I know. Yeah. J- James, where did Daryl go? James? But <laughs> I, love what, I love what he's saying because if you've got a guy going, pony, 11 pony, 11 pony. To my example, and you just keep calling it. Eno might be thinking, hey, man, they're thinking, I've got it. I got the keys to the game. He could be thinking that. They're really liking what they're I'm doing. really liking what I'm doing. What? Oh, wait, what, what, what's wrong? <laughs> what happened? He may not have actually known it, and he didn't. So I get 
the reasoning behind why he may not have known now, right away. Uh, Cliff was, and I'm sorry, Wolf, I don't have Dan Orlovsky's opinion on why Eno Benjamin <laughs> didn't know, otherwise I'd play it for you. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, when he joined us yesterday, <laughs> talked about Eno's evolution. Yeah, he's, he's um, continued to, to just impress and, and improve, and can't say enough good things about what he did yesterday. I mean, he's cramping up the whole second half. Everybody else is hurt, so he knows he has to go, so he's out there barely able to walk and, and finds a way to get in the end zone and make some big plays and, and uh, just his teammates have, have really been proud of how he's grown over the last couple of years and, and in the effort he's, he's shown on Sundays. What I think a lot of us uh, suspected, we're talking about a seventh round pick in 2020, okay? So he's been around this team for the 2020 season, the 2021 season before this year. And I think a lot of us suspected he must look really, you know, he obviously showed talent in college and he's obviously shown them a lot. They keep him around, but he must not be doing something Cliff wants because he's never playing. And most of the time he wasn't even dressing for games, right? He didn't dress for any in 2020, I don't believe. Now, this year that he has kind of broken out, we are learning how much in the doghouse he was. I mean, those are Cliff's words. Those are some of his teammates' words. And he has, we talk about most improved players on this team. To me, it's clearly him and Zach Allen right now. Yeah. Um, you know what's so weird about this? You know, Benjamin is a more complete running back at the NFL level than what he was in the college level. It took a couple years. That is that that you just don't see a lot of that. You don't. Does it happen? Yes, it does. Where a guy is actually more of a complete player at the NFL level than what he was at the college level. Um you know, Benjamin has improved in all three areas. You, as a running back, it's going to be how do you run the ball, how do you catch the ball, and how do you pick up blitzing linebackers? How do you do he picked in up that one regard? I'm telling Sunday. you he something picked up at least right one really well. That yeah. I stood up and I was like, yeah. Eno, that fired me up. Because Eno needs to be able to do that, to take that next step forward in his progression. And Eno Benjamin is more ready to start a game this year than any other year, of course, that he's played. Um, I see him getting better and better and better, and because of that, I got no problem if Eno Benjamin's going to start on Sunday. Well, he may have to, and he addressed that yesterday as well. He was asked if he's comfortable as the number one. I've always been confident uh, that I, I could do uh, such a thing. Um, I did it in college, I did it in high school, so um, I was kind of comfortable in the situation um, and just pressing forward. Yeah, I obviously didn't see him play in high school, but I watched pretty much every one of his games at ASU, Wolf, and you'll, you will remember, I've said this for two years. In terms of ASU players going to the NFL, I thought he was the most ready of any that I have seen. And it took him a while. But in college, he was clearly more talented than pretty much everybody on the field most yeah, weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, not when they were playing like an SEC school. Or I don't think they ever did. But, um, but to your point, he didn't really have to be a special teams guy or a blitz pickup. Or anything. He was just better than everybody. And if the concern... Is, I don't think this is from the Cardinals, but it, I mean, I've heard this brought up. If the concern is like, okay, but can he do it three downs? He was doing it in three downs one of his years at ASU with no offensive line. Yeah. He was just dragging people three or four yards at a time. One year he got blocking and he was a beast. The next year his stats were terrible. He was still a beast. He wasn't getting any blocking. I'm not worried about Eno if they have to bring him in there, if it's Eno and Keontae Ingram this Sunday, in terms of him wearing down like a Chase Edmonds or, you know, guy Andre Ellington in the past. He can be a three down back. I just don't know how effective he'll be. 
media. Yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about Keontae Ingram at some point in time, but I want to go back to Eno Benjamin right now. And it just seems so weird because you already said it, but he was in the doghouse. Yeah. I can't understand because he, Eno Benjamin seems to be this super squared away dude. When you use that terminology, he was in the doghouse. Like, what was he doing? Was he not in his playbook? Maybe that's what it was. Maybe the fact he was not understanding. I can tell you right now, the the NFL game is a lot different than college. It's so different. I've said it before in the past, and it's the truth. College, that's a game of checkers. The NFL, it's a game of chess. It is. And you've got to know it. And it's so much harder. And that's one of the reasons why when you keep drafting inside linebackers, don't expect them to come in and make this massive impact in year one. Just don't expect that. Unless you're going to line them up on the edge like Micah Parsons and let him run. Now all of a sudden, yeah, there's freaks. But for the most part, that's not the norm at the inside linebacker position. Um it's so difficult to learn and understand. A running back has got to know all these protection schemes. He's got to know what to do in the passing game. He's got to know what to do when running the ball. He's got a, he's got a lot on his plate. And I wonder if he just wasn't in his playbook the way that he needed to be. Because when you use that terminology, he was in the doghouse. That typically is terminology that is reserved for individuals that aren't doing what they should be doing. Don't you think with him it it wasn't a lack of effort? It was maybe just he wasn't he wasn't picking it up at the NFL level yet, or maybe he was like, okay, I can run when we have injuries, and they're like, yeah, but you can't pass protect. We can't put you out there. I don't know. I mean, either way, he's there now, and it's not like I think that he's the best running back in the NFL, but I do think if they had to go to him for a game or two, and we already kind of saw it on Sunday, that they'd be fine at that position. That, that he, like, he wouldn't yeah. be the reason they lost the game. Real quick, you mentioned Keontae Ingram. Here's Eno talking about Keontae Ingram yesterday. He looks good um, out there at practice, um, catching the ball, running the ball. Um, he uh, gives us a good uh, uh, look for our defense and whatnot. I'm getting out there. Um, and shoot, I'm even still learning from Keontae. Um, never could stop learning. I think he's really good at that. I feel like Eno would be happy if they just kept 53 running backs. Or 48 and then 5 offensive linemen. What a good dude to actually say that about the guy that is going to get reps in a game with you. Because it's not just going to be Eno. If in fact this is going to be Eno Benjamin starting Daryl Williams, James Conner, they're nicked up. They're not going to be able to play. Keontae Ingram is going to be the guy. And I'm excited excited to yeah. actually see Keontae Ingram play. But you got Eno Benjamin knowing he's competing for reps with Keontae Ingram, and he says that about him. Keontae Ingram also looked really good in college, but I thought looked really good in camp. And you're right, from Eno's perspective, you're finally maybe getting your chance and they're asking you about the guy behind you who's actually younger than you, even? <laughs> what does that say about Eno Benjamin as I'm, a person. I'm excited to see Keontae Ingram too. I would be much more excited if they were three and two going into this game. Yeah, me because too. now it's like we're going to have to play a rookie with again no margin for error. When we come back, it was a, another crazy week around the National Football League. We're going to get you caught up on everything with our Week Five Rapid Fire. Next, it's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. <laughs> Tuesday, that means it's time to put a 
bow on week five around the National Football League Wolf, and we like to do it rapid-fire style, just going through all the games as quickly as we can. Let's start with last night. We're going to get more into this game in a little bit for a different reason. Uh, but as far as just the actual result, Chiefs win again. Chiefs come back again. They beat the Raiders 30-29. to And uh, Travis Kelsey, a weird stat line, 25 yards receiving, four touchdowns. How do you get four touchdowns and only have 25 yards receiving? Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you never see. did that? No, oh. probably, yeah. They were all inside the five yards. No, I'm just saying. Look, what he did last night is just Travis Kelsey. That's who he is. They certainly targeted him. They game plan for that. Going to Travis Kelsey in the red zone, I'm sure that was a point of priority for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he came through the way he always does. And oh, by the way, Pat Mahomes isn't bad either. That combination, I get it if people want. I think the Bills are actually favored against in Kansas City this upcoming week. But uh, And I get it. If you want to pick the Bills, then it's fine. But, but the Chiefs, that combination of Mahomes and Kelsey just continues to appear to be completely unstoppable. The Raiders, meanwhile, you talk about tensions running high. They are now 1-4 this season. They made the playoffs last year and went out and added Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, new coach. Devontae Adams walking off the field last night just shoved the cameraman, and he did address it afterwards. Before, before I answer anything else, I want to apologize to the guy. There's some, some guy running off the field, and he ran. Uh, like jumped in front of me. And we coming off the field, and I bumped into him and kind of pushed him, and then he ended up on the ground. So I want to say sorry to him for that because that was just frustration mixed with him running and, and literally just running in front of me. And that was shouldn't shouldn't respond that way, but that's that's how I initially responded. So I want to apologize to him for that. He sent out a tweet about it as well. He obliterated that dude. It wasn't like, oh, I jumped into him. It was like, all right. What was the guy doing, though? Because he did show up immediately, like, out of nowhere in his face. I don't. I'm assuming. I don't know. It kind of looked like cameraman, maybe second time on the job or something. Didn't know exactly where to stand. I don't know. I I thought it was cool. Devontae Adams actually apologized. Uh, Well done on his part. Can I also say this right now? Derek Carr. And I I don't think of Derek Carr when I think of great arm talent. Derek Carr made a throw last night that I I don't know if I've ever seen. He never, his shoulders were parallel to the line of scrimmage. Parallel. Not perpendicular. Parallel to the line of scrimmage. Stepped up in the pocket. And that throw to Devontae Adams on the takeoff route by Devontae Adams was the best throw I think I've ever seen. (laughs) It doesn't get any better than that. Wow. How are the Raiders 1-4 and and the Giants are 4-1? Well, they didn't kick the extra point. Uh, That's true. (laughs) That that did speed things up. I was amazed they did not do that. I was just talking about this with somebody out in the newsroom right before the show. This, This is not... I don't know. You're not some small college that is in Alabama, and it's like, how are we hanging with Alabama? We don't want to go to overtime. Let's just win this thing right here. This is, I mean, you're the Raiders. You were in the playoffs last year. You got a pretty talented team. I get that it's the Chiefs, but aren't you kicking the extra point there and taking your chances? Yeah, you know, everyone was talking about the fact, well, the Raiders' defense could not stop the Kansas City Nobody Chiefs. Nobody can. So um, what's that point going to do for you then? Because yeah. <laughs> if, if you're not going to stop the Kansas City Chiefs, all, one they're going to, exactly right, yeah. they're going to go down the field, kick the field goal, and you're going to lose. 
I honestly tie the game up, give your team an opportunity. Guess what happened? The defense did come up with a stop. Yeah, I, I never understand. If you're going to go for two in that situation and you're going to do it as an NFL team, there better be no time left on the why, clock. Why where, am I yelling so much? I don't know. I am just, I yelling? Uh, no more than usual. What is going on? All right, uh, Bill Steelers, Buffalo. In case you thought this might be a good game, I don't know why you would have. If you're in a survivor pool, this was the pick. Bills, 38-3. to And they started things off with a 98-yard touchdown. Well, if we don't see those very often, here's Josh Allen. Yeah, I think one game plan. Um, Dorsey and the offensive staff did a great job of scheming up those plays, trusting the players out there. Um, you know, and then to call them in, in certain situations, you know, backed up to, to take a shot like that. It's not too often that you get a chance to do that um, early on in the game. And um, backed up, obviously, the, the kick return, you know, put us at the two-yard line, put us down the eight ball a little bit there. Um, but guys were resilient. Um, we didn't blink. Nope. And, uh, you know, just trusted our guys, and they made some plays. You have to do that, man. Ultimately, that's what it's all about. You have to do it. It is a cliche. You hear it all the time, but you got to trust your guys to be able to go out and execute whatever is called. You have to trust guys to do that, period. Do your job. Buffalo is on a tear, and as I mentioned, it is Chiefs-Bills this week. So uh, we got Chiefs-Bills this weekend, Wolf, and we got Cowboys-Eagles this weekend, too. That's going to be really, really good right there, yeah. Uh, Giants-Packers game. Before I talk about this game, do full disclosure. Do this contest with a few of my buddies where you got to pick three teams that don't make the playoffs, okay? <laughs> so my three teams were Washington. I feel pretty good about that. Seattle. I still feel pretty good about that, even though they're not nearly as bad as I anticipated. My third team, Wolf, was the New York Giants, who are somehow 4-1. and one. Uh, and I still, I look at that team and like, okay, they got Saquon Barkley and uh, <laughs> Brian Dable, apparently. They came back, beat the Packers in London 27-22. They are 4-1. and one. Here's Daniel Jones. I mean, I think uh, we've always had confidence uh, in our group. I think we've, we believe in ourselves, but, um, you know, how the outside or how other people view us, you know, I don't think we're concerned with that. But, um, yeah, we played a good game today and uh, we'll continue to build confidence, continue to start what we got to do to get better and continue to improve as a team. Tell you, of all the new coaches, first, second year guys, Brian Dable pretty clearly at the top of the list through five games at least with what he's had to work with. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that one. There's no doubt about it. Uh, their defense, I thought, especially their pass defense, I didn't think it was going to be this good. They are top 10 in passing yards per game allowed and passing yards per play. Guess who found out about that? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. This is a much better defense than a lot of people are giving them credit for, and they've got a good pass rush as well. Top third in the league. Green Bay, I don't doubt that they are a good team. They have not looked all that impressive. They're not even in first place in their division anymore at 3-2. and two. Uh, How about this one, Wolf? This is where I'm going to be yelling. Chargers-Browns. <laughs> Chargers end up winning 30-28, to 28, but anybody that saw this saw Brandon Staley, who I think is such a good coach on oh. so many levels, but if you are just going to follow a sheet as far as when to go for it on fourth down and not account for what's going on in the game around you, I could just get an intern to do that. I don't need a coach to just be like, well, the chart says this. So uh, late in the game, Chargers up 30 to 28. 
in their own side of the field, at their own 46, fourth and one, they go for it. Now, this is the same guy who you can make a strong case, well, if they missed the playoffs last year because he kept going for it on fourth down late in the season when they didn't need to. It didn't cost him, though, uh, on Sunday against the Browns. Here's Staley afterwards. I just wanted to finish the game with the ball. Felt like we liked to play, liked the matchup, knew what coverage they were going to be in, and um, we wanted to finish the game on our terms on third down. We felt like we had a good run up against that defense, um, had a pass solution. Um, they defended it well. Uh, then on fourth down, just really felt like, you know, the slant of Mike was going to be uh, the play call there. And, um, you know, just didn't go down for us. But uh, I had a lot of confidence uh, in our defense to go out there and get them stopped. And that was a big motive um, because we knew they would have to throw the ball to beat us. Apparently not. Because if you had confidence in the defense, you would have punted the ball to, like, the opposing <laughs> 10. The Browns were basically in field goal range right after that, that turnover on downs with a chance to win by one. They just couldn't hit their kick because kickers can't make kicks anymore unless they're Justin Tucker. Yeah. Um, man, the Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert. This guy and the way that he's playing right now, and I know, Maloney, you're going to be so fired up about it, but this guy is on go ducks fire right now. He really is just watching him. I love how he's moving around the pocket. Um, they're protecting him very, very well. He does not throw picks. Rarely does he throw picks. They're number three, as a matter of fact, with their inter- interception rate. Um, he makes great decisions. This guy, I was dead wrong about him. He is an excellent NFL quarterback and might win the whole thing before he's done. Uh, yeah, I would say if you're going to give me Justin Herbert's entire career over under half Super Bowl, I'll take the over on that. All right, that was a uh, rapid reaction. We still got the rest of the, uh, the the schedule we'll get to later on in the show. When we come back, though, over to basketball. What are your three questions, your three biggest questions facing the Suns as they gear up for the regular season a week from tomorrow? We'll tell you next with our Suns three-pointer. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.